I wonder what God's going to do this morning. Who else is thinking the same thing? Uh, I think young people can uh, go out now. We'll follow Carson. Um, woo! Um, what's God going to do this morning? What is he going to do today? That's what I like about Sundays. That's what I like about this journey that we have following uh, a faithful God is that we get to uh, play an adventure, which is great. Uh, it's getting colder in here, isn't it? I don't know how it's getting colder. How is that possible? It should be getting warmer, but it feels like there's just a draft somewhere. Um, okay, right. Is everyone awake this morning? Is everyone alive and kicking this morning? I'm tired. I'm going to go home if you're not in it. All right? So here we go. Um, what have we been looking at the last three weeks? I want to ask the question. Somebody shout out. Last three weeks? Psalms, uh, starting with praise. So we finished that. Next week, we're starting a brand new series, which I'm excited by, because we're going to have Teresa speaking. We're going to have... Is it, come, on, come on, guys. Um, Teresa's phenomenal. Uh, we've got uh, 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 Roy Crown, uh, a special guest, coming to join us as well in a couple of weeks. Roy Crown has overseen uh, national ministries... Uh, he's just seen scores and countless people come to faith uh, through his works. And um, he's going to come and speak on, uh, on stories of hope. We're going to be sharing stories from our community. So today's a bit of a standalone message. Uh, and with a standalone message, you get the opportunity to speak into things that you think are just pretty current. So today I want to I talk on um, a prophetic narrative. Honestly, we could do six weeks on this. So I'm going to scratch the surface today on a prophetic narrative, and I'm going to fill in what that means. But I have a feeling that some of us will just feel, will just know and understand this is where we're at. So a prophetic narrative. I've got a few really important questions for you this morning. Are you up for it? Okay, the first one. Sun or snow? Not the newspaper. Um... Okay, uh, fruit or veg? <laughs> okay, perfect. A few was like, yeah, what's the point? B- uh, bad question. Um, okay, uh, Cadbury's or Mars? Oh, now you're thinking. Look, I can see you're churning over. Okay, a cup of tea or a cup of coffee? Oh, blow my neck, you blew me over with that one. Okay, uh, north or south? Oh. Teresa? Yeah, thank you. Um, okay, um, and... Okay, he's okay. Fly or X-ray vision? Yes, some of us are thinking what we do with our powers. Um, okay, how about um, read people's minds or live to five hundred years old? Live. <laughs> There's that great movie. Who's seen it with Mel Gibson? It's called What Women Want. What a movie. Some of us are thinking, you're old, Elijah. Great movie. But actually, what a burden. He begins to hear the thoughts of all these women around him. He's like, ah! Um, I want to I kind of throw a little thing out. That game was all around choice. I think, I think prophecy is a bit like a superhero power. Uh, because really, uh, prophecy is we are uh, hearing and seeing uh, the voice and the will of God, and um, and we kind of we can see things that aren't yet here, and that's kind of a cool power, right? 
But for some of us, we don't see it as a superhero power. But, uh, but prophecy is, is around uh, discerning and communicating the voice and the will of God. And a narrative is, speaks of a story. And, and I really feel like for our church, that uh, individuals as a church collective, that picture of someone speaking out, that lots of us are caught up in this, this picture of a prophetic narrative. I want to just kind of throw out at this moment in time that when I say the word prophecy, some of, some of us are thinking straight away, a, a picture. Prophecy is just a picture or it's an image or it is a, it's something like I was somewhere once and someone spoke something over me. And I think that's so true. That's, that's prophetic. You know, God can speak through people or situations. And lots of us in church today uh, perhaps have had uh, prophetic words uh, spoken into their lives. But I think if we rely only, and, and it's super important that I say this, if we rely only on prophetic words to direct our lives, it's like taking a jigsaw, taking one piece from that jigsaw, and then nailing that to your wall and putting a frame around it and saying, that is, that is my life. That's what God wants for me. That's everything. Like I'm going to hold just to that alone. And actually, when we look at a prophetic narrative, I want to uh, kind of argue today that our lives, our locations, our situations, our circumstances are all a part of the greater narrative. Not just one isolating event, you will marry Bill on Thursday. Some of us are saying, I claim that. Who's Bill? We're not fussy. But actually, do you know what I mean? And, and, and so often I've heard over the years, oh, God spoke to me this week, Elijah, and I'm like, drum roll please, what happened? Well, God told me I need to pack up my stuff, I need to dodge the snow, and I need to head towards Australia where it's peak summer. Did he now? Yeah, I need to leave my wife and kids, uh, ditch the job, I've got the credit card out. So straight away I'm thinking, there's a few alarm bells ringing. And actually, but they'll take that little piece that someone said to them, who they've never met before, this random person at a, at a, a conference, and they'll take it, that's my life, that's what God said. But actually... When we look in scripture and we look at people's lives, so often people are stumbling through a prophetic narrative. What is a prophetic narrative? It's this story of God. I want to talk macro and micro. We're all in a story of God, whether we like it or not, whether we believe in him or not. You know, the world is in motion and we can't get off the bus. You know, things are happening, things are predicted, things are going on. I, and so often we'll say, um, I'll ignore the truth of that because I want to I claim and I want to feel secure. I, I want to control my own situations. But actually there's things around us that are happening. We can't control how someone feels. Um, if uh, people live or die. Uh, who's born when they're born. Who gets a job when they don't get jobs. You know, there's so many circumstances. The weather, we cannot control. There's a prophetic narrative. There's things that God is doing at work. Scripture tells us that God is constantly... Uh, uh, advocating for us, that he's got a, a plan that's coming uh, into fruition, that uh, things are ordained, that he's got people who um, kind of, uh, I suppose, usher in the kingdom of God. So there's a story that's been told macro, and we know from the start of Genesis to Revelation, we kind of know the ending, don't we, church? Um, it's like watching the movie, uh, what is it? It's that one where, um, what is it, where Jesus... Uh, Anyway, won't go there. What is it? We know the ending. We know what's coming. There's a narrative at play. But equally, as well as the big narrative, there's also the micro-narrative. There's us. There's our lives, our circumstances. Where do we fit in? Where do we play? 
Um, you know, what's the power that is within us that we can, uh, we can petition to God? God, I want you to change this situation. God, I'm desperate for this community. God, I want to see X, Y, and Z. We can petition God. We can lobby God. We can see change happen. But equally, there's things that are happening that won't change, that will happen, that we don't understand. Are we getting the picture? I just wanted to give us some context. Because when I said the word prophecy, some of us straight away th- think this. Oh yeah, I, I, I prophesy, or I've had someone speak something over me. I'm talking bigger than that. There's a story, there's a narrative that has the full weight of God. Ephesians 4.11 says this. It says prophecy is important. It says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints, that's you and I, for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. And so it's speaking of, you know, God calls people to prophetically speak into the church, to, to kind of speak into the things of God, and we don't always see these things, do we? Sometimes uh, someone will come and say something over your life, or they'll say something in a prayer meeting. Rick at the back of church has put two books. One is Prayer Requests, and the other is Answered Prayer. Am I right in that, Rick? That's correct, isn't it? And, and, and that's, that's where we kind, of, we kind of tread between, this idea of God. We've got petitions, but equally, we know that you're going to answer things. When we look at Scripture, and I was thinking about the prophetic narrative, this story of God weaving his will through our lives. Just think about these people. You might have heard of some of them. I was thinking about Abraham and how God speaks of a son and of, a, of really of descendants to this man. I was thinking of Moses. Isaiah foretells the birth of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. It's just incredible. Hundreds of years before Jesus, this guy, this babe in a manger shows up. This guy nails it. Isaiah the time, the hour, what it's going to look like, the seasons, uh, what that will feel like for humanity. Um, he describes them, you know, all just incredible. That's a prophetic word, isn't it? Do you agree with me? We go through people like David. Uh, David, we know this, that his line of family leads directly to Jesus. To Jesus. Wow! Like how God had his hand on that family through the ages. To Jesus. Incredible. Samuel. Elijah and Elisha, who brought real uh, revelation of God to people in a time where voice, voices God, uh, no, where God's voice was a bit quiet. What about Esther, the redeemer of God's people, who advocated for a people who were about to be put to death and persecuted? Ruth, Ezekiel speaks of the Valley of Dry Bones. Have you heard of that one? We've coined it Lords because we live in the Tees Valley. You know, the valley of dry bones. God, there's people who are dead and desolate. You're going to put bones and flesh and sinews to that. He's speaking prophetically. Literally, there wasn't a million bones come together and march around. He's seeing something that is not, not visible. And he sees God breathing life and vigor into people. And it all points to Jesus, who steps into this narrative and fulfills it by just being born at the time and the place and for the purpose. And the purpose was to redeem you to God. How special is that? So there's the big story, the prophetic narrative. And then there's what God's doing in our lives. Which so often we think is far more important than the bigger story. But actually I want to focus on Esther. I've been thinking about Esther. I've been thinking about Esther because I think she stands out. And I think, I think she's like me and you in lots of ways. You see, Esther stumbles into the prophetic narrative 
on her life. If you'd got Esther midway through uh, her teenage years and said, God's all over your life, she'd probably say to you, really? How? This is my situation. Please tell me how God is working in this. But we know from the story of Esther, if we fast forward a little bit, that God uses her in crazy ways. Let's look at the things that were against Esther, just to kind of recap, and then we'll jump into the Bible. So, uh, Esther, if you are interested, uh, the book of Esther um, is after Nehemiah and comes before Job. And it's written by Mordecai. And Mordecai, we know, is a major character in the story of Esther. He's a protector, he's a champion, he's an advocate. God uses him in strategic ways. Esther was a single Jewish girl living in occupation. She was an orphan, she was a minority. You know, these things that really should be factors against Esther, this story, this narrative that God uses, suddenly jumps to life. And then also the Bible says, and it's just interesting that how our looks, if we have any, or our personality, if we have any, can be used by God as well. Because um, it says in Scripture that Esther uh, had a beautiful, was beautiful and highly favoured by people, how God began to use this for his prophetic narrative. Let's look at Esther. Uh, it'll be on the screens if, uh, if you haven't got your Bible with you today, but if you have, jump to it. And it says this, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jer, son of Shimei, son of Kish. That's what they did. They kind of went back to, you know, this is where I come from. He was a, ben- uh, a Benjamite. So we know that this guy uh, was Jewish, who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with... Jeconiah, king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. So we know that this girl, her people, were in Persia. Captives. In a situation that you would say, really, is God using that narrative? We can almost fast forward to today's times. Imagine this little girl in a village somewhere with her family. And this a militant group come in and they suddenly take captives, workers, we need hostages, anything else. And we know it because it happens still. And this is her story. This is the story of her people. And it says this, he was bringing up Hadessa, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle. For she uh, had neither father nor mother. The woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at. And when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her in as his own daughter. We jump into chapter 3. Chapter 3 tells us that Haman plotted to kill the Jews. Now Esther was keeping her identity under wraps. She wasn't telling people uh, where she came from because she was clever. She was switched on and she thought, I'll keep those cards close to my chest. But then we kind of hear as we jump into the different chapters, just this narrative. So she's a captive. She gets picked uh, later on in the story uh, to, to, to kind of hopefully be the king's future wife. Wow, God's kind of moving in this. Amazing. Now chapter 3 tells us that Haman, boo, plots to kill the Jews. God's chosen people. But wait, in this prophetic narrative, could God have already been working his magic hand? That's my question. 
Or was it sheer fluke that this girl arrived in the story at just that time who God could use? And I think we'd argue that God was at work. And I think the reality for you and I is how God works in these ordinary situations. Perhaps in situations that we think he's least likely to work in. Through that person. Through that situation. Through that scenario. God, you're at work. Chapter 4. Esther agrees to help the Jews. Verse 13 tells us, And Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all of the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise up for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows, and this is the key line that we know so well, and who knows whether you have, come, whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Esther's response to those words, to this call of a people, was to fast. Can we get my people together? Can we fast? Can we pray? Can we petition to the God to move in at this situation? Can God use me? This young girl, can God use me to influence the king to save a people? Location, situation. Could it have been just the right soil to incubate a God story? I think we can take hope from Esther's situation. Esther was an ordinary girl. Ordinary. But God used this narrative. God used people to say, hey, here's an issue, here's a need, here's your life, here's the scenario. Has God placed you here for a purpose? And for me, it brings reassurance. It brings reassurance that no matter where we are or where God's got us, that we can be used in the narrative for his kingdom and his purpose. Is that making sense? So she calls the Jews to fast. She uses her life to direct a move. To say, actually, can I influence change? Can I be significant? Can I, can I mobilize people? Can we see an, a different outcome to what's expected? So when we come to this prophetic narrative, when we come to your life and my life, when we think about our place uh, within a family, within a workplace, within a, uh, relationships, within this local church. I wonder what the prophetic narrative is that runs through our lives. When I think about this church, I know that there's certain individuals who perhaps feel comfortable when it comes to this idea of um, prophecy and, and, and kind of praying over people and, and, and kind of listening to what God wants. And then there's other people who would say, I feel quite uncomfortable in that. I'm not sure if it is really God. How do I know if God, uh, his voice is really true or if I'm making it up. I don't want to kind of hurt anybody or let people down. And, you know, it's kind of that tension, isn't it? Do you understand what I'm saying? And then actually, I think as we read these stories and we look at Scripture, how people often stumble into this this uh, narrative of God, this story of God. So often there's, there's a real reassurance. So often there's people around who would say, 
I want to call this out of you. I want to speak this over you. Um, you know, what is, you know, I want to I kind of push you forward in, 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 in going for it and, and being a change agent and a change maker. And I suppose when we look at our church today, I want to do the same thing. I want to I call out those who really want to hear the voice of God. I want to pray over and I want us to pray into as a church in a few moments. People who would say, I want to hear the voice of God so that I can speak life and hope and future into people around me. See, prophecy is really vision, isn't it? It's, it's I see something. I, I, I believe I, I hear something of God's character and his personality and his goodness. And I declare truth from that. Would you say that you're prophetic? Ephesians 4, and he gave them the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists and the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And when we look at our lives today, as we look at the call of God on our lives, how do we step into equipping the saints for ministry? discerning the voice of God to speaking to other people. When a prophetic word's given and when we trust that God has spoken, we can base our lives but also the lives of other people on that truth. So I want to pray for us today and I want us to pray for each other today that as we gather that we too would be equipped that would be empowered to strengthen the saints for ministry. And I think there's people here today as well who perhaps just want to hear the voice of God. To bring reassurance and trust. And we know that happens in scripture. But also we know we worship a God who speaks. Who says goodness over us. Who has new words for us. So we're going to do a little exercise where we just invite God to release his presence and his gifting to the saints. Why? So just like Esther and these people who stumble through it in scripture, so often they walk into it, sometimes they're pushed into it, other times they hone their craft, they know it's a God-given thing and they spend time practicing, listening to God's voice. And then speaking to groups of people. I wonder if there's people here today who God is calling to speak to groups of people. I wonder if there's people here today who are sat on their spiritual hands when it comes to discerning and, uh, and pronouncing the voice of God. And if we hold silence, we're not edifying and building the church. You see, so often people say to me, Elijah, you're mad. You're just mad. You just, you, know, you just kind of go for it. You're a million miles an hour. It's hard to track what you're up to. And, and honestly, I was trying to think about the story of Esther. I was trying to think about, actually, just like Esther, she saw things that, were kind of, that, that would happen. You know, she, she could see things. 
As we read in other parts of scripture, you know, people can clearly see what is going to happen. You know, sometimes I can see, and I wouldn't say, oh yeah, Mr. Prophet, but sometimes I can just see the next steps. Okay, I can see how that's going to play out. I can see that if we as a group of people did X, Y, or Z, or if we did a bit of an alpha course, the results would be good. You know, I can see that, um, you know, sometimes you can, and there's just different reasons. And I think you've got to begin to trust that voice. And the more we trust and practice, the better the results. Last Sunday at church, as I was stood here, I just really I sensed that there was a couple of people in church that were just there, were just there, ready to invite Jesus into the heart. And I thought, if I say it, people are going to laugh at me, you know, because no one's going to respond. But then I thought, God, I just trust you. And I just trust that it's your voice and your leading. And I can see how this is going to play out. So if there's a couple of people who want to give their lives today, today, uh, today uh, and then some hands went up. And it's beginning to trust the voice and the presence of God. Are you sat on your hands? Do you think that your situation or your location has disqualified you from this prophetic narrative of God doing great things with your life? I don't think so. I don't think it's ever the case. I don't think we, um, we have to have it all together for God to use us. I don't think anyone in this room believes that, thankfully. So let's lean into this idea and understanding that right now, in this place, in our life, for a reason, God has got you so that you can speak and live out a prophetic narrative. And a prophetic narrative can just be living a lifestyle. It doesn't have to be, oh, holy God, I need these holy words to speak weird things over people to freak them out. It can be living a lifestyle. Why? Because in the prophetic narrative, it is, I understand my workplace and my family, my street, my job, my future hopes, my past failings are all entwined in this story that God can use. But there are moments, there are light bulb moments where we know the voice of God. And if we train ourselves and if we say, yes, I'm ready, then when those moments happen, we can be ready to speak the voice of God to those around us. And when a prophetic word is spoken, we know that it edifies. We know that it edifies. A prophetic word is always spoken on the characteristics of God. He loves us. He cares. He wants the best for us. He is a champion of people. It's not weird or it's not crushing or it's not oppressive, but it brings freedom and light and life. And that's our role as a local church. That's what God is calling us to. When Joe and I led a church in London, uh, we had an amazing couple, uh, and hopefully he's not listening to this podcast. I don't think he is. He doesn't know where we are, does he? But I want to tell you the story. It's important. Because when we think of prophecy, people think of all sorts of things. And actually, it's really important that we hold fast to, to who he is, based on scripture and his personality. And when we were in London, there was a, a family that moved from uh, East London to, uh, from West London to East London to join the church plant. And we were just made up. Wow, it's incredible that God's called these people. And they were amazing people. But as time went on, some kind of reports kept coming through of this guy, just this, this, the father, doing some strange things. And I said to Joe, I'm just going to have to deal with this. And, and then one day, I got some phone calls and, and these, these kind of ladies in church said, can we see you please? So I met with a bunch of them and um, they said, this guy's just been saying weird things in prayer time to us. Things that just freak us out. Things that he claims we would have forgotten about uh, through people we love. And 
we're just really worried. Has that happened? He's making us doubt ourselves and our relationships with those we love. And it was just bad. And I just said, this is weird. What? And I challenged this guy. And, and he said it to four or five different w- uh, women. And I just challenged him. I said, look, where are you getting this stuff from? You know, why are you saying this? And, uh, and, it, and really, it was just using this idea of God said to fish. God said to fish. The guy was a predator. And he just wanted to use a platform of God said to bring trust. So when, when, it, when words are spoken, when we're speaking words, is it in Scripture? Is it based in love? Is it coming from this place of security? And so often if we know someone's life story, we can think, yes, I know what God wants to say to you. So, so often it's actually, I'm going to say nothing. And God, what do you want to say? Where is this person at? How can I use my words to speak life and hope and joy? So all that being said, just to give us some quick parameters, and I think we need to come back to this at a later stage. The uh, prophetic narrative of your life, your location, your situation, your circumstance, your failures and your huge successes. How incredible that you can take confidence that God is speaking and is at work and that we get to play our part. We've got some pretty big dreams for this church. Do you know what I'd like to see? I'd love to see us plant lots of churches. I didn't say it'll be tomorrow. I wish it was. But over the coming years, wouldn't it be amazing if we could release churches right across Teesside? If we could release groups of 20 or 30 people. This is prophetic stuff. I'm speaking over our church right now. Groups of 20 or 30 people who could move into different locations and we could give them 25 grand and say, go and have some fun. Have some parties. Reach people for Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't it be great if we had four or five Sunday services here because people were just sensing the presence and the call of God and they'd come and get fired up and then leave and be dispersed right across Teesside and then some would move around the world just seeing communities transformed, living good lives, being a force to be reckoned with in workplaces. Wouldn't it be incredible if this church became a real incubation uh, kind of place for God just to warm people up, get them red hot and then see people released? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be wonderful if everyone who came to this church felt like they belonged, that this was home and community? Wouldn't that be incredible? Wouldn't it be amazing if this place was filled with people who said, I realize what a wretched life I've been living and that Jesus is real and he saved me and I'm free forevermore. Wouldn't that be amazing to see? Two hands went up last weekend. Wouldn't it be amazing to see 15, 20, 30, 40 every week? It's doable. Why? Because there's a prophetic narrative. So we either get to sit on our hands and say, pass it by, or we, or we get to say, I'm all in. God, what are you saying? I want, I want to hear your voice. Because I want to be a blessing to my colleagues, to my family. I want to speak when other people aren't, knowing that your voice is being declared. I'd like to see a coffee house in this place. I would. At midweek, midweek, the chairs are gone and we have tables and people here. Community, cars stopping and coming in. And they're like, wow, look at this building. You do church here on a Sunday? Yeah, and we dedicate kids and we marry people too. 
great. I'm going to get married in the summer here. It's just all of these little bits that, that bridge people into our church community and life. Incredible. Incredible. Wouldn't it be amazing to see these things happen? Amazing to see Rick Dudley here on a Sunday night with his prayer team, with 50, 60 people saying, Lord, we want to see a kingdom of God come in this area. So that people all across the world are saying, flip me, what's happening in Teesside, man? I'm going to get on a jet plane, get a one-way ticket. I'm moving to Teesside. You're laughing. Give it five years, it's going to happen. This is what happens when the kingdom of God happens. People are attracted to this stuff. And sometimes we muddle through. We look at our lives and we think, how have I ended up in this church in Teesside with these people in this situation? It's a prophetic narrative. It's not an accident. God is calling his people together for action, for change. And we get to play our part. Let's have some fun this morning. I feel like God wants to release his gifts this morning and bless people this morning. So there's two things I want to do. And then if you want to do some more stuff, we'll do that. The first is, I think there's people here this morning who know uh, that they hear the voice of God. And I just want to, I want our church uh, to put hands on you and to bless and pray increase in that. Because we need more people who say, I hear the voice of God and, and I'm trusted and, uh, and, it, and it comes into fruition, the things that, that God says through me. We need the prophets in the church who say to people like me and Joe, this is what God's saying, sell the building, give it away, or just, you know, it's those voices that you need sometimes. So we want to pray into you. And then I want to pray for those who want to hear the voice of God on their lives this morning. Just knowing that as we lay our hands this morning, as we say, yes, God, as we ask for these ears to be opened up, that we'll hear his voice. For us, yes, but also for the communities around us. Who knows what's going to happen this morning? People this morning might leave thinking, man, I want to plant a church. I want to talk to my neighbor, Bill about Jesus. I'm going to just dive into scriptures. God, would you give us a hunger this morning? It's only by your power and your revelation that we get fired up for this stuff. So let's pray. So for those who hear the voice of God this morning, and this isn't a, well, yes, I hear it. That's not what we're doing here. But, and we know these people already, most of them, but we're going to want to pray for you. So would you stand? Incredible. Okay, so what we're going to do is we are going to, um, for those around, those people who haven't stood up, can you, if you can reach them, put an arm on, on the shoulder or on, the, on, the, on their arm or whatever, stand with them, and we're going to pray right now. And let's just get around, put a, put a hand on. Okay, time's gone. But Lord, we... Holy Spirit, we invite you here right now. We thank you that you are here. And that you're stirring something. God, we thank you for these people that you have ordained, that you have called out over the years, who are a part of the prophetic narrative. They've spoken dreams and life and encouragement over people. God, right now we ask that your spirit would come in power. Increase your presence in their lives, we ask, that there'd be nourishment, that there'd be rest, that there would be power and authority. Yes, Lord.
we thank you. And Lord, would you turn the volume up, we ask, in a busying world. That these people right now would be called to holiness. That they would sense that call to set time apart to pursue you. Because so many other people depend on the things that you've put in them. Lord, would you release vision? Would you release energy this morning? That even now, Father, you'd be speaking. That you'd be resting on their head. Just crowning them, setting them apart. As my people who speak into dark places and grab hold of hairy situations with, and stand with authority and, and strength and my backing. Thank you, Jesus. And then I want to pray for, for those who want to hear the voice of God. Perhaps more, or perhaps would like to just, this idea of, of hearing God, this, of just prophetic. Sometimes it's words and pictures. Sometimes it's, it's an image that we get for someone, isn't it? Or, or it's, it's words or a sense or... It's just, there's a feeling over a few days or weeks or months and God that's you speaking I hear you and it's trusting in that and, and, and let's pray for you guys this morning would you stand and perhaps for those who stood at the start you would gather around these people and just begin to pray over these guys Yeah, Lord, we thank you again for these people. We thank you that you are at work. And we just say yes and amen to that. We just join in with what you're doing, God. That, Lord, over the coming hours and days... Would you release pictures and words and, and just things that are so spot on that you'd use these people in their situations and circumstances and their locations to speak your voice. Yeah, Lord, fill them. Fill them, fill them, fill them. Power of God, fill them. Jesus. Yes, Lord.
Yes. And all God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Thank you. For those who sat in the chairs, I'm sorry if that was strange, but there's just times that we've got to give and say, yes, we just want to speak over and, and, and just invest. It's all an invitation, isn't it? And I want to finish on this. Thank you, Lord. I want to finish on this. The invitation for all of us, whether we're standing or sitting, Matthew says this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. This is the invitation for all of us today. And he took a cup and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, Drink it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus invites the disciples to come and share in, in communion. To remember the invitation that he gives to us. And to what that means for us as we come today and take and partake. Would you come? And remember and partake the invitation today.